Hi, everyone. This is Tim. I want to thank you for the download and tell you about Direct Sellers. Your wine to your door with your friends. Discover a new wine each and every month. Life is complicated. Your wine shouldn't be. Let's make it easy. Join the Direct Sellers Wine Club. Get monthly deliveries direct to your door. Discover new selections each month. You can also build a business. Direct Sellers' revolutionary approach puts the focus 100% on you. We're focused on exploration, discovery, and education. Each month, our expert selects great premium wines from wineries around the globe. Each selection is accompanied by a tasting note detailing who, how, where each wine was crafted. Your satisfaction is guaranteed. With each shipment, we help refine your palate and identify regions and varieties that you love. And when you do find that perfect wine, we are the only club that provides its members an opportunity to stock up at club cost. Our goal is to help you fill your own cellar with wine that you love, wine that you're confident about and that you're proud of, and most importantly, that you're excited to share with your friends. We are confident in our selections. After all, our success depends upon our members' continued happiness. However, should any of our selections arrive damaged or simply not meet your fancy for any reason at all, simply let us know and we'll send you a replacement bottle. So if you want to find out more about Direct Sellers, go to our Radio MVP Facebook page and click Shop Now. There's a link there on the page. So take a moment and check out Direct Sellers for you can get your wine to your door and with your friend. Direct Sellers Wine Club. If you're looking for more information on Direct Sellers, you can contact me at my email, tim at radiomvp.com. That is tim at radiomvp.com. Okay, let's get started. Episode 8 of Radio MVP Sports Podcast is coming up right now. And welcome to Radio MVP, episode number 8 of the Sports Podcast. Hi everyone, I'm Tim Continenza in Bourbon, Ohio, and in Campbell, Ohio is Anthony Kepley, as we're going to be uh, continuing talking about the NBA Finals, which we just got done with Game 3 yesterday, Game 5 of the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs, or championship is going on as we speak, their finals, and Pittsburgh's up 4 nothing in that one, and holding home ice, and we'll talk more about that, and of course the Buckeyes with the coaching situation and what's going on there. A lot to get to, plus baseball going on, and we'll uh, we'll spend a moment or two talking a little baseball just for the fun of it, too. But there's a lot to get to, and it's been a really, really week here in the world of sports, Anthony. And uh, let's let's kick it off quickly with the the NFL, or excuse me, the NBA, as we uh, as tell you exactly what I'm thinking about <laughs> everything anymore. But uh, you know, hey. That's just the way it goes. Let's, but look at the uh, NBA Finals last night. Cavs had their opportunities. Uh, I think you've seen the dominance of an all-star team, as we talked about before with Durant, as they took over in the fourth quarter. But, uh, you know, I didn't expect to be down 3-0 if you were a Cavs fan, but if you told me they were down 1-2, I would say, yeah, that's probably realistic. Or even if you would say hey, maybe they got the upset going and they're up 2-1 and it was going to be a long series. 
those predictions have gone to the wayside. And um, what's your original thought about uh, Game Three last night? You know, I I gotta be honest. I didn't watch much more than maybe a couple minutes. So I had to be up at four thirty this morning for work. So uh, it's more of a uh, box score reading day. Um, but you know, I think it went how we projected it to go. Uh, the Cavs will look a lot more comfortable, uh, a lot more locked in. Uh, I don't want to say they haven't been focused all series because that, you know, every team's focused at the NBA Finals. Uh, I just think we saw a more relaxed Cavs team uh, that's playing with house money and really no pressure on them. Now, I mean, that's, let's be honest, everybody and their brother in the uh, media is has already uh, pronounced Golden State as uh, the 2017 NBA champions, and a lot locally have too, especially on the radio today, hearing that, one certain reporter will not watch game four because he's sick of them. And I, and I think that's kind of <laughs> outrageous. If you're that's a fan. Foolish. Yeah. 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 Hey, I mean, I if mean, you're a fan. Either, yeah. I mean, yeah. But anyways, you know, it, it, I think. It, look, I think Cleveland started to figure it out the past two games and they had 20 turnovers for in game two and they were in that until the late stage of the third quarter, until Tim, it, it reminds me of every great team you play, no matter what sport it is. You have to survive the initial punch, and the Cavs did that in game two, um, and they did that last night. And then you got to withstand that run. You always know a run's coming. We see it in every sport, and we saw it this year with uh, Carolina against Gonzaga. We've seen it with Duke. We've seen it with Kansas. We've seen it in football, you know, with the, with the Patriots. Um, LeBron's playing. If you just look at the box scores, LeBron is better numbers than Durant this series. I, I mean, he's almost even, or he's right with Durant in every statistical category of this finals. Um, I heard a good point today on the radio. Is Durant making his teammates better or or Curry and Thompson and Green making him better? I think it's the latter. I don't um, – it wouldn't shock me, though. Cleveland's figured some stuff out. I, I really think they figured some stuff out. Irving is playing really well right now. I know people are going to call call me crazy and all that, and I, I know, look, they're down 3 nothing. Are they going to win the series? No. I Let's be honest. But – Tim, it wouldn't shock me if we see a game six. I mean, that would, yeah. I mean, look, it has happened in the past where teams had a three nothing lead and came and and the team who was trailing uh, with no wins at this stage in the game came back to win the next two and forced a game six. It could happen. I won't say it can't happen or won't happen yeah, or I'm, will happen. I'm just going to I agree with you. The, the There's the possibility of that happening, and it's not for the stars saying no. that. I agree with that statement completely. Now, you know, I look at what happened in game three, and I watched it. And what you've seen was, like you mentioned earlier, is a team that was much more comfortable in the surroundings at home. It had its fans behind them. It had its home court. It's been on all year long. And it played a very good game for the most part. Now, down the stretch, you can talk about strategy and how they 
handled not going for you know the mm-hmm. two for one with less than a minute to play in the game that type of thing and you could talk about missing nine shots with three minutes left in the ball game. I mean, those those are just realities of what happened in the game. And, you know, you gave Golden State Warriors the opportunity to have the 11-0 run in the fourth quarter and outscore the Cavs 29-19 in the ball game in the fourth quarter to win it. And, the, you know, and I don't want to take anything away from the Warriors for what they achieved because that was a great comeback and an opportunity to win a game you know, a game three and take full command of this series, and that's what they did. The Cavs, I mean, I'm sure after that game was a little shocked to certain ways that they lost it. But you look at that game, they kept going for the knockout punch with the three and a half minutes left in the ball game, uh, trying to hit a three-pointer. They missed all five of them, you know, and they missed the inside shots, but you look like you mentioned in the box scores. I think something that really stands out 11 points off their bench. And you, yeah. it's so difficult to win when a team only scores 11 points off the bench. And eight of those come from one player in uh, Kyle Cover. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's a telling tale. And then you look at, like you mentioned, LeBron and Kyrie, both uh, scoring a combined 77 points. You know, and, and it tells you a lot about what happened. You know, Kevin Love didn't have his best game offensively, but he played terrifically de- defensively. He had, uh, I think, 13 rebounds. He had, like, five steals or something. I mean, it was really a, a phenomenal effort on a defensive end by uh, Love to keep you in the ball game. It's just you have to, you know, recognize the scenario you're in. They went for the deep threes and didn't hit them late in the ball game. And in the process, if they attacked the hoop, foul, gone to the line, and possibly got some easy points or maybe even made a few layups, yeah, they probably could have, and they look back and as a lost opportunity. And in series, you know, a seven-game series when you're trailing 2 nothing, you can't make those type of mistakes sound, uh, very well. I think the Cavs can win game four. I'm not sure they will. Uh, simply because it's a deflating situation when you're down 3-0. And when you had a game that you probably should have put in your win column in game three and let it slip away. And I don't want to take anything away from Golden State. They played enough defense to get it done. They made the shots when they had to down the stretch. And, you know, those are the things you have to uh, give them credit for, for what they achieved. Yeah. You know, throughout this series, you have to say Golden State has been the better team. Mm -hmm. I think the Cavaliers have played well. I think they've definitely uh, have uh, honored themselves in a sense of uh, getting back to the finals and being defending champions. But this is so much more than just, you know, legacy of one player versus another or legacy of one team versus the other team. This is just about competition. You look at it. Golden State has won all three games because they've outplayed the Cavaliers. Yep. And that's the bottom line. And it's not that, you know, oh, we need to slow the game down and you got you could take less shots and that. The Cavaliers have been playing an up-tempo game the entire season. They've yeah, been scoring you- 115 to 120 every night, most of the night. Their defense has been in sporadic and has shown up here in, in the finals. And that was the biggest concern we talked about, you know, throughout the playoffs is can the Cavs, you know, turn that switch defensively 
and you know make stops when they need to. Unfortunately, maybe the last four games of the season, they haven't really five games of the season. They really haven't been able to do that. You know, that game against the Celtics where they, they lost the big lead and the Celtics got their one win was what I'm talking about. They they couldn't make a stop defensively, you know, when they had the big lead and they lost it and they lost a close game. And that's basically what happened. In the opposite view, you had the lead. You had the nine-point lead. You had an opportunity. And, you know, slowly but surely you let it slip away because your defense couldn't make a stop. And your offense, you know, was trying to get that knockout punch, which just never came. And in the process, I thought, left the door wide open for a Durant to hit the three to take the lead and really take command of the series. And they did. And I, I give all the credits to the Warriors and their coaching staff and the players for uh, taking advantage of opportunities. Because every game, you know, you may have one opportunity to really seize control. And they battled the entire game. And when the Cavaliers took a lead late in the game, when they hit that three by uh, J.R. Smith with three minutes and I think 19 seconds left in the ball game, I felt confident that they probably would score about 125 in the game and mm-hmm. win this one. Tough win, but they would they would gut it out. And from that point on, they went ice cold, you know, going over nine and over five from the three point line. But you just you know you can't continue to do the same thing and expect better results when you're not succeeding. You have to take control of the game. And unfortunately, they're not built that way. Cavaliers is a type of team that tries to throw the knockout punch and succeed doing it. This year, succeeded most of the season doing it. And now I've run into a team who can actually deliver that punch better than they can. Yeah, it's... um... You look at the 0 for 9 to end the game, and if you make 33% of your shots, you win the game. If you just shoot 33% in the last three minutes of the game, you win the game. Um, I think, going back to what we talked about before game one last Sunday, I had made two points that the winner of the series will be determined between the Kyrie Irving-Stephen Curry matchup winner and how Tristan Thompson plays. And I think we've seen Tristan Thompson has not played very well. You, he cannot be in game three, though. I give him, you know, I won't say he's an all star level, but he he came and played better in game three. Now, game two, he was missing. I ain't going to deny that. And game one was, you know, unfortunately, once they fell completely yeah. behind, it was over early. Uh, it didn't really matter. Mm-hmm. But I, 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 anyone who wants to point out his absence in game two, I totally agree with. I thought he played better. You know, he's not a guy who's going to go out and score you know, 18 points and and lead a team offensively. He'll have a game or two during a regular season like that, but that's not his game. He's de- he's more like a like a Rodman who's going to go after that offensive rebound, be relentless, get the garbage points when they when they appear, and maybe hit a shot or two. You know that that surprises a, a defensive team. But he's not a guy who's going to outscore anybody, outwork everybody. And I thought, for the most part, he played well in Game Three. And I mean, I want to say he was the best player on on the on the floor, but I thought he bounded from Game Two and and gave a much more effort that they needed to win the ball game. I think the effort to win the ball game was there. I think the execution down the line was not. 
Yeah. And that's the difference. Yeah. and it, This wasn't about effort. No. It, no, it has been about effort except for maybe the second half against Golden State after Golden State had that game put away in, in game one. It just goes back to what you said. It's all credit to the Warriors. When it when they needed to make plays, they made plays, and that's what championship teams do. When you're on the road in in crunch time, how do you do? They executed they executed beautifully on the defensive end and the offensive end. And you know, I think the Ranch three last night over LeBron in the final seconds probably clinched the MVP for him. If he hadn't he already clinched it already, um, you know. But I want to go back to what we talked about a little bit in our second the second portion of our last podcast of how fans need to enjoy these type of runs. They don't come around very often, especially in Cleveland teams. You know, they went over 60 years without a title. And uh, what the Cavs fans did last night when Kevin Love left the floor in the last seconds of the game, giving him a standing ovation, um, was absolutely incredible. I saw them in the highlights and I watched a little bit of the replay. And it seemed to me that the, yeah, Cavs fans probably knew that this series is slipping quickly out of their grasp, but they they stayed till the end and they and they rewarded their team with constant energy. Um, and it looked like they were enjoying the moment, like you said, teams need to do, especially in Cleveland. You, you made a great point last the last couple nights ago. Cleveland fans have to enjoy this. Because this hasn't come around for decades, and it may not come around for a long time again. And I think Cavs fans did a great job last night uh, truly enjoying the moment uh, that they're living in right now. You know, it, it was just five years ago that they were back-to-back lottery picks, and people were like, where is this franchise going? And now you're on the verge of, you know, let's be honest you could very well see the same matchup for the fourth straight year next year. Unless San Antonio goes out and signs a big name player and they dethrone Golden State or Boston gets a big name player. Um, but it could be Cavs Warriors round four. And, you know, but I did, I wanted to make that point that uh, Cleveland fans uh, are showing they're truly enjoying this moment. Uh, I think you're right. I think they know they're up against it. Let's be honest. Everybody knew going in, if they didn't want to admit it publicly, deep down, everybody knew Golden State was a more talented team, and they were supposed to win the series. Vegas had them big time favorites win the series. Uh, But that's a a big credit to Cavs fans uh, for enjoying the moment in a tough situation. It takes, you know, uh, it seems. You know, easy to do, but after a sucker punch to the gut and losing in a championship series like you did, and I don't want to berate the point, but it, it it was a typical Cleveland loss. In the last couple minutes, what could go wrong did go wrong. Well, uh, I mean, that's the but they still to the end, though. Yeah, but you know, I know what you're saying. I know, yeah. I know, what I know the yeah. history. I know what you're saying. <laughs> You know, Red Right 88, go back to the days. Well, you don't know, forget the drive in the bubble. The, the, well, exactly. I said the Denver series you know, <laughs> with uh, with the Browns back in the 80s. You could go to the Indians and what has happened there. Oh, I understand. Boy. I'm not saying the narrative is incorrect. 
I'll just say the narrative's overplayed here because in a sense, what the Cavaliers have versus all those other teams I mentioned have the best player in the game. Yep. And, you know, and that's yep. now I'm not saying they have the best team. I'm saying they have the best player. They do, yeah. yeah. The now, and the Cavaliers are built around James. I mean, the minute James came back to Cleveland, A, reworked this this roster to fit his game yeah. to give him the best opportunity to win championships because that's what, exactly what you do when you have the best player in the game. Yeah. You do the exact same thing. See, now Durant, you know, people are calling the second best player in the game, and it very well may be, but the biggest difference here is, is he joined already a successful team. It wasn't yeah. the team was already built, and then he went in. He joined a team that should have won the final style of game and play their game and make that team better. Nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying, and it's it's absolutely fair. That was his choice as a free agent, and I'm not here to bash him over that. I'm just saying there's a big difference. You build a team almost on the fly because you never really expected that to be handed this gift. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and that's exactly what it was. It was a gift, you know, when, when James decided to return home. And what the Cavaliers did is, you know, they changed, you know, front offices. They changed coaches. They've yep. done, you know, 180 of what they had planned, you know, because you don't get a player of that caliber every day. I don't care who you are. You know, that's the same thing going on in New England. You know, once identified as the all-star quarterback that he has become and the leader that he's become over the last 15 years, Bill Belichick was not no fool. He What he did is he made that team built around his quarterback offensively, and he made sure his defense was, was going to be a defense that can handle different type of things. Look, not every defense that they've had over the last 15 years has been a stellar defense, but it's been good enough. Yeah, they've because been. Because they want to you know, build it around their best player, and that's Tom Brady. And that's what you do. You get a special player. You build around that player. That's no difference than what – Elway did when he went out and recruited Manning. He knew damn well he's getting the best quarterback in football. Yeah, he may not have all the Super Bowls. He appeared in quite a few. You know, and that's kind of where James is at. Mm -hmm. James has been in a lot of a lot of championship series, a lot of finals, but not necessarily has the the jewelry, let's say, to to show it. And what was it in five Super Bowls and has two two rings? Uh, yes. You know, and that's my point. It, it, you don't talk about that. You know, I, the bottom line is that you have to, you're not always going to see it in every opportunity that presents, but you have to compete and try. That's just, you know, I'll even go back to the NFL again and, and go out with, uh, you know, Tom Brady. Uh, what they got five championships and appeared in seven Super Bowls. I mean, they uh, lost two yeah. to the giants. Yes. So, you know, uh, you, you can't win. You're not going to win them all. I mean, I, you know, when you're ranking quarterbacks and you're ranking players of all time and theories, yeah, championships matter on that level when you're talking about stuff like mm -hmm. that. But truth of the matter is now you're not, most players are never going to win everything they play. It's yeah, just, I think you know, what happened with Chicago is an anomaly, you know, with Michael Jordan, the three, the three P twice. You know, six appearances, six championships. That's domination. 
That is absolute domination that you don't see in sports very often. And on to show you that you can be really consistent and have an opportunity to win. And a good p- person I we could show talk about locally is Jim Tressel. What he did at Youngstown State, winning four championships and you know in six appearances, and during his you know what fifteen years at Youngstown State as head coach, years, and yeah. then going to Ohio State and getting to three championship games, winning one of them. You know that's consistency. That shows you the volume of. The, the character of the person you're talking about and what they have achieved, you know, uh, you're not going to win everything. I don't care who you are. And if you do is probably the competition around you. Maybe is not no. as stellar as uh, what you have achieved or, you know, or what your team has achieved around you. Uh, the UCLA days, you know, way before any of us, you know, fall to college basketball, you know, the John Gooden days, the bottom line is, they, he had the most talent. If he didn't win, shame on him. Mm-hmm. You know, they should have been dominant. Just like the Celtics in the, in the 60s, way before both of us. They they were dominant because they had the most talent. They had the best coach. They had the best organization. And that matters. And the Cavaliers have done well. Team on the run with the best player. They won a championship. They came back from 3-1, to one, something that's never been done in NBA history. You know, and yeah, they, they may be even more challenging this year. Chances yeah. of it are slim, but you know, I guess you know. Hey, the Red Sox came back from three zero. Two NHL teams have come back from three zero deficits. I don't necessarily predicting that. I would love to see it happen as a fan, but the truth of the matter is, it probably isn't because Golden State is just that good. They're really good at basketball. Yeah, there is a matchup nightmare for anybody. You know, come I on. had it. I getting on Twitter over the weekend and ended up uh, meeting a uh, person who's a, he's a huge warrior fan. And, and, uh, and we were t- tweeting back and forth throughout the, uh, the series so far. And I, I've enjoyed it just to hear his point of view and stuff. But I, I keep telling him, I says, what are you worried about? You have the better team. Mm-hmm. Just sit yeah. back and enjoy this. You know, I, and I was telling him the same thing that I was, I, I was mentioned on this podcast. Enjoy this. Don't blame referees. Don't blame officiating because it doesn't matter. The players on the, on the court will win the game or yep. lose the game. You know, don't build in an excuse for yourself. The team is too good. And that's exactly what goes forward. If the miracle happens and the Cavs come back, it's not because of officiating. It's not because of a conspiracy. It's just it was meant to yep. be. You know, I, I truly don't think that's going to happen. Uh, no. uh, I do think they may win a game, and I do believe your scenario of them winning two games is possible. I'm not saying it's probable, but uh, I definitely believe it can happen, and that's what we're talking about in sports. You just get opportunity every game. Look, it's going to be difficult for the Cavaliers to on you know uh, on Friday to go into the queue and play their best game because they're, they know – psychologically they're down 3 mm-hmm. 0 and it's a pride game more than anything ever pride games are tough yep. to play and yes, you have to figure out if you need two things to happen in a game like that golden state has to come in not hungry which i doubt will happen yeah they're going for six where they goals. would come in and say well we're gonna win this game all we have to do is show up and i don't think steve kerr will allow that to happen players 
and the character of the players and Durant and Curry and and Thompson and Iguodala and all of them, you know, uh, are that's not going to happen. They have too much high character on that team for that to happen. So it will be a hard fought win if the Cavs win Game Four, and they'll move on, you know, back to Oakland. And it'll be a difficult, difficult chore to try to win a game five on the road. I'm not saying they'll even get there, but it's going to be a, it, the road is in mines. And yeah. I, for the Cavaliers to get through that landmines, not, not easy. It's going to be one of the hardest things any sports team has tried to accomplish in, in a long series, in a seven game series type format when you're trailing. 3-0. We've seen it first dominated the Cavaliers, a team that was there way before mm-hmm. anybody else. And that, that was the dominance of LeBron James mm-hmm. overpowering a team in Detroit who was the best team in the East that year and just you know willing his team to a victory and finding a way to get to the finals. And you know, that, that team had very marginal talent around him. This team that he has around now has much more talent. I think it has some great players with pride. And we're going to find out how much the, the game of basketball means to them. And I mean, Kyrie Irving, uh, Kevin Love, uh, all the guys on the bench, you know, RJ, uh, Channing Fry, all the ones who may, may see minutes in this game coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, you're facing a juggernaut. They may lose again by 20 points at home. I would not be surprised just because we know we've seen uh, this Golden State team win 15 in a row yeah. in the playoffs. I mean, how ridiculous does that sound? I mean, they, they've really only been challenged in a few games along the way. It's just – it really has been dominating. And, you know, yeah, I really, truly do. It's been a, a terrific thing. I'm not sure the Cavaliers – uh, could have won this series playing their best. Uh, I just think they're up against a team that's really playing high-quality basketball we've seen in a long time, especially in the, in this era. When I mean this era, I'm talking about the last 10, you know, 15 years. I don't think any Laker team mm-hmm. could could far more better, you know, going back to the Kobe and, and no. Shaq days. And, and if they if you can actually have that matchup, which, you know, it's all theoretical. So who knows? But, yeah. Uh, you know. Of Curry and what he brings to their to their team is just phenomenal. And Clay Thompson has that range, too. Maybe not as deep, but, you know, when he's on fire, you can't stop him. And, you know, you look at Cleveland, their counter with J.R. Smith, who is a fine player. Who's who's played good defense in his you know since joining the Cavaliers, and has been that guy who can you know light it up from the outside on any given day. Hits six or seven threes in one ball game or five in a row. We've seen him do that. He's just not as consistent and as sharp shooter as Clay Thompson is or as Curry is. Obviously, I mean, and that's the difference in this ball game. The Cavaliers have some really good players. And when they're on, they're on. And they can beat any team when they're on. Yep. However, uh, Golden State, their players, when you're looking at what they achieve and how they play the game, they make they create opportunities on second and third shots and quick turnovers. And they give up the, the layup for the three-pointer, and they hit it. 
And that is really the difference between these two teams this year, in my opinion, is, you know, you added a Durant, and the Cavaliers could not counter that. Uh, this offseason, you know, it's going to be talk about George. George, you know, a lot of talk yeah. was him going to Boston. I think this offseason now, all of a sudden, you're going to talk about will the Cavaliers try to make a trade to add more depth to their team to counter uh, Durant, if that's, you know, winning championships is what it's about in pro sports. And when you're a team who uh, can get there, you want to have that opportunity to win. And right now, uh, I think Golden State has a chance to really make a, a historic run, you know, barring, you know, major injuries to some of their players. Yeah, I got a two-part thing here. Uh, number one, if I told you or told all Cavs fans when LeBron wrote his letter uh, – saying he was coming home and I said you guys are going to go to three straight NBA finals you're going to lose two of them I think every cast fan would jump at that and say absolutely we'll take it well yeah there's no doubt I mean everybody wants to win everybody wants to win all of them you know but it's like you said this this Golden State team is set up for years you know I always hear that and I always think that's like making a deal with the devil yeah and you know you know if if I can have this guy get that yeah. And, you know, and sports doesn't work that way. I like to say it does, but it doesn't. I think we love talking that way because we we put it on a level that people understand and make it more realistic. Saying, mm-hmm. you know, it's like as a child, you know, you know, you're asked, can I have this piece of candy if I do this type of work around the house? You know, you want the reward and what you have to do to yeah. get that reward. But it's not necessarily the correct way when, you know, your mom or dad may have said, no, you're just not going to do it. But, yes, you are going to clean the house, you know, and that's just the way yeah. life is, you know. And, <laughs> you know, you're not getting that ice cream tonight. You're you're cleaning the house because that's what you were told to do and you haven't done it yet. You know, and that's just the way life is. Yep. And I honestly think that's what it comes down to. I mean, we all want to make the deal with the devil. You know, I'll I'll be a great person. I'll do all this if I can win the lottery tomorrow. I'll I'll support all these charities <laughs> and I will help my family and this and that. And what what do you do? Uh, you 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 pack up and leave for the smallest island in the world where you can't be left alone and you can travel and, and be left in peace, right? So yeah. let's be realistic. It, you know, everyone wants to make a deal with the devil, and then in, in the end, we don't need to make that deal. All you have to do is give it your best opportunity. And uh, I think in the end, you're going to find a, will, a way, a will to win. A good point would be, uh, you know, Denver. You know, I know you're a big Denver Bronco fan. Uh, that his last stand, I mean, that was that was all will on his part. His his career was at the very end. He wasn't the same quarterback he was two years earlier or three years earlier. You know, when he was throwing 50 touchdowns and leading the league and and percentages and all that. But what you've seen here was a guy who could still play the game, still manage the game, and still help make a team that had a dominating defense just good enough to win a Super Bowl. And that's what he did. You know, he went on the road to New England and defeated a very good New England Patriots team on the road to get to the Super Bowl. You know, those type of things happen. So you just got to accept it for what it is. And, you know, sometimes you're going to come up short like the Buffalo Bills. You know, they were the best team in the AFC in the, in the night. There's no question they were the best team there in those four years. Mm-hmm. 
their best opportunity against the Giants, and it came up short, you know, because they had a field goal kicker who Josh was Norwood. not as accurate as Matt Barr. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just the bottom line. <laughs> These things happen. It comes down to one kick. It comes down to one play. It comes down to one pitch. You know, look at the Indians. Oh. No, I'm, I'm he had to go there. Well, see, the thing is, I'm not, I'm not, I'm disappointed. I'm heartbroken over the, you know, loss. And I tell everyone there's nothing worse than losing two world series and extra innings in game seven. But you know what? It's not the end of the world. And I honestly do believe that, you know, that opportunity to win a championship for the Indians is going to be there because they have the right ingredients available. I think they have a front office that, that does the right moves and is not afraid to uh, roll the dice a little bit now than before. And I think you have a manager who's quite honestly one of the best in baseball. And anytime you put him in a situation where he is make a difference in a ball game, and we've seen that during the playoffs last year, and you give him the talent around him. And that's one of the reasons why Boston made that huge comeback against New York years ago was because of Terry Francona. Don't kid yourself. He had a big part of that. Yes, the players have to play the game, mm-hmm. but he actually managed those games phenomenally. He gave his players the best opportunity to succeed and he come in. And that's what Ty Lue has to do from this point on. It's not going to be easy, and it's a, it's a mountain to climb that very few have ever succeeded in climbing. But you're going to find out you know, more about this team long-term, I think, exactly how they handle this game for – you know, I don't want to continue to talking about the Cavs all this entire podcast, even yeah. though we could. Uh, Ohio State uh, is in the midst of their coaching search after firing Thad Mata earlier in the week. You and I talked about uh, McDermott from uh, Creighton was given the opportunity. He turned it down. Mm-hmm. And supposedly Mac has bowed out of it from Xavier. And a few others have been approached supposedly and turned down. This may turn into be a kind of a fiasco for Gene Smith, mm-hmm. as uh, we are talking about. And, you know, I've seen published reports today saying maybe it's time for plan B to go with that interim coach, go with Gent or Paulus, as we were talking about. I told you. It's been done before at Ohio State. And it's been done a few times. It worked out pretty well, didn't it? And a few other schools. So anything's possible. I, I'm not sure, you know, if they pulled out all their guns yet. You know, that type of thing, but we'll find out. They think they're going to hire this within a week. It may take a little, little bit longer than they in, anticipated. Uh, we'll find out exactly what they want to do, but I'm at that McDermott turned it down, and the simple reason is I. it's not that I don't think he's not a good coach. I just don't think he was the number one choice. And if, the, if your number one choice is not mm-hmm. interested or available – I think you have to make plans for that to happen. You know, when Trestle was let go, when he was fired from Ohio State, you know, they recognized the fact that getting a football coach in that late in the year was going to be very difficult. And moving forward, maybe not be the best scenario. That's why they went the route they did with with Fickle. And it was the correct move because they ended up with Myers. Mm -hmm. You know, and so – it may be the correct mood in Columbus this time to do it again. However, I think if they truly target someone, I think they're going to have a great opportunity to convince that person this is the time to take this job. You know, part of me thinks that uh, Gene Smith 
uh, in Ohio State haven't divulged their number one choice. Listen, uh, McDermott's a really good coach. Uh, being a Duke fan and playing them a couple years ago in the second round with his son, Doug McDermott, uh, they were a very formidable foe. Uh, they scared the living you know, daylights out of me, and we were fortunate enough to win that game uh, late in the second half. Um, but like you said, I, I don't know if their number one choice has been uh, put out there yet. Um, and speaking of the Cavs and Golden State, according to the Columbus Dispatch and multiple sources, Mike Brown is a uh, candidate for the job. I don't know how serious of a candidate he is, but that would be a uh, interesting choice. It seems also that Gene Smith is going back to his Iowa State days, um, and that hasn't been a bad thing for Iowa State, as we you know Meyer uh, hired. Tom Herman away from Iowa State to run the offense, and that worked out pretty darn good for the Buckeyes with uh, Fred Hoiberg maybe getting a look. Listen, I think Hoiberg is a really good coach, and I think if he had a better situation in the NBA, he could win like Brad Stevens, but I think he's a phenomenal coach. When he was at Iowa State, I loved watching the Cyclones play, and I think he can get Columbus motivated again, excited. Um, Part of me... And listen, I, I'm not an Ohio State fan, and maybe I overplay this uh, a lot, but if I were an Ohio State fan, um, I'd want a guy with familiarity, maybe not with Ohio State per se, but with the region and or conference. Um, another name, other names being thrown out are uh, West Virginia's Bob Huggins, who I think Columbus and Ohio State would fall in love with that. I think um, that's actually the worst choice. I really? I, yeah, I, I think Huggins does not fit Ohio State at all. I think he's perfect for West Virginia. Oh, yeah, he's I don't think he's going to leave. I, I just I think he's he's a terror. Look, I think the Caval- uh, excuse me, I think the Buckeyes are in the process of trying to find a coach that is probably, in my gut feeling, under fifty five, uh, someone who uh, is young enough that he's going to lead this team for the next 10, 15 years and uh, have a chance to build a program and not only win Big Ten championships, but challenge for NCAA championships. And I honestly do believe they would rather find someone with some absolute coaching experience. If that is uh, five years, or if it's 10 years, or if it's two years, I think it depends. I think when you look at the NBA and Mike Brown name, I'm not sure it's really the yeah. correct name. I'm yeah, not sure. You know, he has no collegiate experience uh, yeah, that doesn't mean experience a lot if you're a good yeah. coach but it is a tough turnaround to put to make your job when it used to be professionals age you know 19 to 35 mm-hmm. now you're in the business of educating and teaching basketball and recruiting 17 year olds you know 15 16 17 18 year olds uh that's a big difference sure that is the best scenario for someone who's been in the NBA for 25 years. I, I just, I'm not sure Mike Brown fits. I understand the thought process. Why not? He's, he may be available here in the next week. Yeah. And if you can talk to him, I don't have a problem talking to him because it may, it may lead to something you never expected. And that those things do happen. And some people actually thrive at opportunities like that. So I'm not shutting the door. I just don't think it really fits. I think a Billy Donovan fits a lot better. 
who has the collegiate experience. Speaking of like Hoiberg, like you mentioned, who has the collegiate experience is a much better fit out of the NBA. I think a Brad Stevens, if you really want to shoot for the stars, you know, I'm not saying these things will happen, but I'm, I'm just saying, I think those are much better fits than a Mike Brown out of the NBA. It has, and quite honest with you, let's just say they revisit one of the, the people on their list. I think if they actually made an effort to convince that person that this is an opportunity that they don't want to pass on, I agree that they'll probably end up with that person, whoever that may be. I think McDermott was given the job offer, and I think it came down to a family decision like he mentioned. I truly yeah. do. I've heard him speak in the past. He's been other jobs and he's turned it down. This is not unusual. I think he's found a home and he's happy. Uh, happiness means a lot in this world. Not every dollar chasing every dollar does. I know we live in a capitalistic world and I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying chasing every dollar is not necessarily brings happiness at the collegiate coaching level or the NBA as a player or as a coach. Uh, I, I'm not saying you shouldn't be compensated for the job and the what the market provides in those sports because the market in sports coaching is huge, especially at the collegiate level in Division One, and especially at the highest level in Division One. You know, you're talking millions of dollars, and there's nothing wrong with being compensated properly. I just think sometimes someone may choose not to go after the last dollar versus. Uh, more contentment where they're at and what they're trying to achieve. And I think uh, McDermott and Clayton make sense. You know, it may not make sense beyond one more year. It may make sense for the next 20 years. We just don't know that fact. But uh, look at Billy Donovan. Around, he went down to Florida and had a really successful run down there for a long time. Almost took the Magic's job after yeah. winning the national title. And then, you know, ended up uh, going back to Florida and spend another 10 years there, and then taking off for the NBA. Uh, look at Cal Perry, who's bounced back and forth. Uh, look at look at Brown but years ago in the NBA and, and collegians, and now That's back when he's at, you know. So it can happen. And I think those who truly want to uh, find the best opportunity will, will sooner or later find it. Or they'll be moved aside. And that's how it works in sports because it is about what you've do, done for me lately. Ask Thad Mata. He had one and won 20 games, and that was last year. And now he's, you know, he's out of basketball. Yep. Yeah, and, uh, it, yeah, and uh, it, is nice it is nice to see small coaches, mid-major school coaches, staying where they are. Um, and like you said, a lot of it depends on happiness. It, it, I mean – how many job offers did Jim Trestle turn down when he was at YSU? A lot. Right. A lot of big yeah. schools came calling, especially, and, and you may know the year better than I do. Uh, was it 91 or 93 that Cincinnati was dead, was dead set? He was their guy, and he was coaching, and everybody had him. He's being hired today by Cincinnati, and Trestle showed up and won a national championship against Marshall. Um, right. And he turned down Miami of Florida, too, from what I heard. So it is yeah. nice to see that. Um, I'm going to throw a name out there for the Ohio State job that I think is not getting a lot of run. But I think in the end, he could be the best choice. It may not be the trendiest or the sexiest pick. 
Um, but everywhere he's been, he's won. And that's Frank Martin after an incredible run at South Carolina. Uh, the job that he's done at Kansas State and South Carolina, not only recruiting-wise, he's recruited a lot of good players in Dozier and Thornwell and Jacob Pullen and Michael Beasley uh, back in his Kansas State days. And at Kansas State, they were ranked top five, top ten in the country. And South Carolina this year went on a magical run to the Final Four and lost in the last seconds to Gonzaga. Uh, I think he'd be an absolute, absolutely big-time home run hire. Uh, you know, let me ask you this real quick. Do you think Ohio State's a top-20 job? Because I certainly do. Oh, yeah. Oh, I think it's definitely a top-20 job. It may not be uh, a top-20 team right now, but it's a top-20 oh, no. job. Yeah. yeah no, no, I'm just I'm – just, yeah, the program yeah. itself may not be top-25. It might be more like top-40 right now You're or top-45. Top Coach K took over, and look where they are now. Right. Well, you know, and it how takes time to build. Yeah. Look, Fad Mata had a great run, and, I, and I'm a Fad Mata guy. I, I think he proved himself – I mean, he's the winningest coach in Ohio State history. Uh, yeah. He took him to, you know, Final Fours. He went to a championship game. He won five Big Ten titles, four Big Ten uh, tournament championships. I mean, what he did was it, it was truly a legacy type thing. Uh, in this spot right now is because, like all in sports, it's what you've done for me lately and lately, opportunity yeah. to make change. And let's be honest, I think there's, you know, one of the things you and I will never understand is the pressure some of these coaches and universities are under from boosters. Oh, yeah. And the money that comes into the program to make change when things don't happen. And what for whatever reason it may be, and I'm not saying that's the reason why, because I have no you know, checklist on this. I can only tell you how I look at it. And I definitely believe, you know, that it had, it had an effect on it. Exactly how much of a level, 5% or 50%. I don't know, but I'm sure it had something to do with it. Cause look, let's face it. The alumni of, of Ohio state's one of the largest in the country and it's they in, win influential. Now. It's influential and it's going to, mm-hmm. it's going to have it's, it's power. And you're going to see that all the time. I mean, that's what, in the end, got John Cooper fired was the alumni. And, you know, how can we continue also to support? Also, 10 and 1, but... Well, that yeah. was part of, yeah. that's, oh, that's part of the alumni problem. Alumni, yeah, yep. You know, and, that, and that's exactly what it became. And that's what Michigan, you know, to uh, Brady, you know, why he got fired. It just These things happen, mm-hmm. you know. And, you know, that's why Harbaugh's there is because the alumni pushed it so hard. And I'm not saying that the university didn't want him and didn't went after him and hasn't paid for him or haven't paid for the assistance that he's hired because they have. But that's just the way, you know, that's conducting business today. And that's why it and that's the just the way it works. I mean, the the alumni and everyone in the community want to trussle YSU. Um let me bounce this off you too. I read something this morning on on Twitter that I thought was absolutely crazy. And this uh, this person compared Thad Mata to John Cooper. He said he's a really good recruiter. He just couldn't win the big ones. And I sat back and I and I'm thinking, 
That is oh, no, no. just that's, that's insanity. Not, How yeah. many big games did that want to win at Ohio State? Did oh, I ever one game many, against Duke? Keep the Duke. Against Duke, keep in the first Let's, half, he took us behind the woodshed and blew us out. That's someone who wanted, you know, again, I think over making a comparison that doesn't I mean, that work. That's ludicrous. No, I mean, John Cooper was not the winningest coach in, in, in Ohio State's football history. He wasn't beating everybody. He did miss on recruits. Yeah, he had some great ones along the way, and he had some high-ranked teams that uh, did not live up to expectation. There, there are, you know, yeah, he won a, a Rose Bowl. That's his, his fame. He beat know, Jake Plummer. His claim to fame in, at Ohio State is winning a Rose Bowl. I mean, fine. <laughs> I don't take anything away from him. But it, the truth of the matter is he had a 13-year run that was, you know, mediocre deep yeah, down. Yeah. And that's just the truth because, you know, if he was 7-5 and five against Michigan or 8-5 and five during Michigan in that time period, it would have been a lot more, a, a, a different storyline. But like you mentioned, you know, he didn't have it. He lost 10 times to them. And you just can't do that. And, you know, it's it's no doubt about it. I mean, Jim Trussell used to talk about that. Beating rivals means something. Uh, not just to a coach's legacy, but to a program. And that's why. Why do you think Harbaugh was recruited so heavily to take that job in Michigan? Why they wanted him there? Because you know, they've lost to Ohio State traditionally over the last 10, 12 years, and they can't think difficult pill to swallow. Uh, a real rivalry, you you want to see teams go back and forth and have opportunities. You know, when you see domination on one side or the other, it takes away from the rivalry to some some extent. Ooh, I... uh, history does. History does matter. And, and I think history meaning – we have 50, 60, 70, 80 years of competition or, you know, like that, that series, it does matter. But, you know, if dominates the other school consistently, it does take a little bit away from it uh, on a national level. Maybe not yeah. on a intercollegiate, uh, interconference style, but it does matter on a national level because, uh, you know, I think if you talk to a football fan, you know, and – you know, in Arizona, you know, who is just a huge college football fan and said Ohio State, Michigan this weekend. And he goes, well, well, Ohio State will win again, you know. Yep. So I'm not as excited. But if it's a, you know, two teams that have legitimate shot at beating each other at each other's home field, which yep. is what that rivalry has always been about, mm-hmm. uh, then it changes everything. You know, USC, Notre Dame mattered when USC and Notre Dame were able to go into each other's uh, stadium and win ball games years ago. And th- now it hasn't happened. No. And that makes a big difference. So, yeah, it, it does matter. It does yeah. matter. And that's the that's a good point. I grew up around the Notre Dame-USC rivalry, uh, and I've been fortunate enough to attend a lot of those games. Uh, unfortunately or fortunately, I was at the Bush Push game, uh, which – Pac-12 refs still suck, but I'm not going to be bitter uh, 12 years later. But yeah, what did I tell you about officiating? Don't blame officiating. <laughs> hey, no, no, they didn't blame it. Ambrose wouldn't blue coverage. But um, no, uh, just... it's, it's, you know, I want to throw an idea at you. And I, if I'm Jared Calhoun, uh, 
by the way, I hope a lot of fans went out tonight to greet him at uh, the Eastwood Mall. Uh, he deserves he deserves our support. I think he's going to win big time here. I, and I think you agree with that too. Uh, but if I'm Jared Calhoun, I'm making a phone call down to Thad Mata, and not not coaching and not you know come help me out. You know, just picking his brain. How do you recruit the state? How do you win in this conference? How do you win as a mid-major at Butler? Because Thad's been there, done that. He, he knows this landscape. It's not the same recruiting. I bench. think most coaches do talk to each other. And I, I think most coaches do, especially young coaches, uh, reach out to other coaches. Uh, and, and that's I not uncommon. I doing that, too. You know, just to talk philosophy and stuff mm-hmm. like that and how to run a program or what you do differently than I have done to try to, you know, take something out of your program mm-hmm. to add it to mine or tweak what I've been doing. Uh, I think a lot oh, of coaches like do that White across the board. You see that in football mm-hmm. and you see that in basketball. And I think you even see it in baseball, uh, you know, along the way. And I think all sports, you find that, that kind of, uh, if you want to call it that. And it's, it's definitely never a bad thing when you can find someone with experience and talk to them about it and pick their brain and say this or that. I think, you know, during a season is a little different. And now if you happen to have a relationship with someone, it matters. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, John Robick years ago when he was here at Youngstown State had that relationship with uh, Cal Perry. You know, they would talk daily. You know, he would even talk to, uh, you know, Brown when he was, you know, still around, you know, with the Sixers and that. And, hey, those are the things that matter. You know, if you can do, if you can find that, it matters. Yep. And you may, you know, go see a team and, you know, I know Jim Trestle used to talk about, he used to take visits to down in Miami, Florida back, you know, when Coker was there, when he was still here, it's stuff like that. You do things like that just to find out what they're doing. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily the, oh, I want to learn about their playbook yep. or anything like that. It's how they run their program and what they choose to do and how they handle situations. And, oh, hey, I can incorporate something similar to this. Or, oh, that's a great motivational tool. Or that that isn't. I don't see how that yeah. works. You know, And you, you compare and contrast. And, and I think that happens across the board, especially at the collegiate level. And you don't necessarily see it at the professional level because of the competition level so high and – the worriness of uh, someone stealing information from one club to another is, uh, you know, today is, you know, espionage level. It's, it's crazy, but it's true. Uh, however, I think you see that more at the collegiate level where you may see even a coach who, let's say, ball may actually go talk to uh, a basketball coach at a different university and just talk about philosophies and, and how he runs his program and how he checks on academics or whatever the case may mm-hmm. be. I think you see more of that at the collegiate level than you do at the professional level. But I think you definitely see uh, coaches who reach out to either former coaches or retired coaches and uh, those who are taking sabbaticals or forced sabbaticals uh, because they can't find a job mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and reach out to them because you never know how you, what you're going to learn. You know, that's kind of like Ohio yeah, or Cleveland this past year. You know, Bryles coming up to the Browns a couple of times talking mm-hmm. offense and, and philosophies with uh, 
Browns. And, and and I'm not necessarily thinking that, oh, this guy knows the offense or he knows the players that, that the Browns have. Yeah, that, that, that gives them an end. But it's more to learn about, you know, what do you do? How do you run your practice? What are you trying to show here or this and that and see what you can incorporate? This, I think it happens across the board. It's just, it, it's not as publicized and uh, as well known. But if you talk to a coach one-on-one even at the high school level, you're going to find many coaches oh, yeah. talk to other coaches at different schools and just to find out how they, they run their program and what they do and what they do in the off season, how they motivate their kids. And that's not uncommon. I think you, you see more and more of that as time goes by. Speaking of uh, coaches taking sabbaticals, do you think Bob Stoops has done coaching? Because I don't. I got a weird feeling we're going to see Bob Stoops back on the sideline next year. Uh, and I'll tell you where, possibly. too. I don't know where. I, oh, I, I haven't given much thought. I, haven't I know where he's thought. going. What, you think Iowa? No. Nope. Big Ten? Nope. I think. You think he's going to go to Notre Dame? I think September 1st, 2018. You think he's going to be in Notre Dame, don't when you? When Michigan comes to Notre Dame, it's going to be Harbaugh and Bob Stoops. Stoops has two houses in Chicago, and I and I'm not one to buy you know, into all that. I understand because John Gruden bought a house there in 2005, and people were dead set he's the guy. No, but Stoops has two houses in Chicago, as reported by the Tribune. Uh, that's an hour drive for people that don't know from South Bend to Chicago. Right. And secretly all along, I think he's angled for that job, um, and I think now he's. Know. Now he's at a point. I don't think in Notre Dame has the, This may disappoint you, but I don't think he Notre Dame has that. that it doesn't app. have the allure. No, it doesn't have the allure anymore. And, but to uh, people, well, well, it's it's a tough gig. It's a don't tough tell gig. Who that. I know It's don't a tough gig. Well, it's a different the different gig. It's it's totally different when he had it in the late eighties, early nineties than it is today. Yeah, recruiting and playing in a conference, not being in a, a conference, cooker. being in a a, a semi-conference scenario, it's it's just totally different today. I think it's the toughest job it's to have in sports. I think it's just difficult to win because, A, the academic standards that Notre Dame has today makes it very difficult. You have to be Lou Holtz who brought it down to a, a, another level to get certain players opportunities to play there. And, and, and that's just the way it works in sports today. I And... I don't know if Notre Dame's willing to take that for again, like they did back then. And I, mean, I also wonder, I'm not saying no. I think it's a great challenge for whoever takes that job in the future because of the academic. Let me bring up it. this then. But I think it's difficult, you know, being an associate member of the ACC. And I, I, I think that's stupid. By the way. I think that is stupid. It, it, I don't want to get out of soapbox right now because we got four months till football season starts, and I'll I'll wait till September to get on my soapbox about the half in, half out of the ACC. I think that's stupid. Um, but you know, a lot of people I talk to around here are, well, what if Bo leaves next year? And every year it seems November, December, and maybe January depends on if YSU is still playing. They're they're now it's. They're, I don't want to call it anxiety, but the nervousness is, well, what if Bo leaves? Who we turn to? What if Bo leaves? And how great would it be if Bo 
who I believe will win a national championship here. He rides off from the sunset somewhere. Once his kids are graduated from Mooney and Pat's done at Notre Dame. And another Mooney boy comes in with the cupboard reloaded and he continues to make wide. It's, I'm, it's dreaming here, <laughs> I'm dreaming here, Sam. I'm dreaming. You're allowed to dream. You know what? On June 8th, when we're feeling pretty good about ourselves, give me till 4.30 on September 1st after the pit game and ask me how I'm feeling. But, I mean, it's <laughs> setting up perfectly for us, Tim. It's just making hey. Ron Strollo's job maybe a little bit you easier. You got to keep those many boys home. That's all I got to say. Gonna, right? I, I tell you what. Like hey, we were talking you know about what? earlier. I think I'm, I'm not too concerned about him. Bo's future. Whatever Bo chooses to do in the long term is Bo's choice. And I think he uh, I think he's going to be here for another few more years. You know, and we'll see exactly what happens. Yeah, you know, he may stay here for a long time. He may. I hope he does. I love five him. years and take off. I have no idea. You know what, though? I don't. I'm not concerned about him leaving tomorrow. Put it that way. No. If it happens, so be it. But I really don't think that is. Uh, no, and we'll talk about that as, the, as we get closer to uh, football season. I just. I know. You know yesterday with scenario him, out there. I get yeah, it. Yeah, yesterday with him, with uh, Stoops leaving OU. You know, I just started dreaming, you know, yeah. because it's just, it, you know. Hey, and, we dreamt about Pellini, and he's here, so maybe you never know. And I tell you what, though, I don't want to toot my own horn, but I told my friend yeah. when Wolford left, and I want to talk about Eric Wolford a little bit as we get towards football season because I think people uh, give him too much of a bad rap. Um, but I said my first horse is Bo Pellini. And, oh sure, and I didn't know anything. I didn't. I didn't talk to anybody down there um, about happen. that. You know, hey, uh, but you never know. Hey, you never know. I'm not complaining at all. <laughs> no, no, and that's the I'm thing. Not complaining at all. I think we I all know. talked about it, but no one ever thought it would happen. And it when was like the a what if scenario came about, it made total sense. And look. Bob Stoops retiring or resigning from OU was a big surprise, I think, to everybody. Surprise that he decided to step down is just when he decided to step down. Yeah, but what kinda, is the surprise? Kind of like what happened to Ohio State firing Thad Mata is when yeah. he decided to do it. If he if he made the announcement that this was going to be his last season, and you yeah. know at the you know come January or after January decided to step down no matter what his record would be, if it was undefeated yeah. or if it was two losses or whatever the case may yeah. be for the Sooners, uh, I would have not have been surprised. 18 years at one place, yeah, it's maybe a time I, for a change of venue. 18 years with the same president and athletic director is unheard of in college sports nowadays. And that's a credit to Oklahoma oh. and what they've done. Uh, they've done a massive job out there. And I you had to remember his name came up. His name came up for the Ohio State job when Jim Trussell Ohio got Ohio State and Florida, too. So you never know. A yeah, lot of oh, I know. I'm just saying his name so, comes yeah. up everywhere. Yeah. Um, if, anything, if anything, I think he's headed to the NFL. Really? Yeah. I, I thought that. I thought it was a great shot. He may take the Browns job a few years back and a couple other jobs that opened up. I think the opportunity maybe to jump to the NFL. You think he's the Bears job? He's at that age. He's at that age where if he can, now's the time to do it. Yeah. Um, 
Hey, you know, he's about Bears 52? For a couple years and come on back. Yeah, he's in his early 50s. And I heard, yeah, I think he's 52 because uh, somebody said a couple, he might be a little older than that. Uh, but yeah. somebody said but a couple days the, ago yeah, that he wasn't going to coach a while. He, he yeah, doesn't want to be a I look at it. Right. Well, here's the thing you could stay there forever. You you get to a certain level in college sports as a head football coach that if you have a desire to coach at the NFL level, Brian Kelly. you have to make yourself available for that possibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Usually it happens between ages like 48 to 52 to 54. Uh, these coaches then recognize they've been there for 15 years, wherever they may be, and the opportunity to, to make that switch is there. Perfect example was Butch Davis when he took it from uh, you know Miami to Cleveland. You know, uh, there's been a few of them over the years have done it, and you know you want to give yourself the opportunity to experience the pro level and that challenge. And he's been a name that's been bounced about in many jobs over the last few years. So him leaving now may leave that door open for an NFL bid for a job here come uh, January or February when those jobs really open. And it would not shock me that he's putting himself in position for a job in the NFL more than a collegiate job. Mm -hmm. That's just speculation. And who knows exactly what will happen? He may stay retiring and and surprise us all. You know, it does happen. I wouldn't be surprised at that. I think everyone expects him to coach again. Everyone, I think, thinks Thad Mata will coach again. But there's a percent chance that neither one of them will. And there's a better chance uh, Stoops coaches than Mata with uh, Mata's health concerns. But, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, and that's that's the case. I mean, you never know how that's going to work out. But I do believe, I think Stoops is putting himself in position to become an NFL head coach, uh, at least have that opportunity to interview for jobs and not have a, uh, a fan base over you and not have a president of a university or an AD you know, saying, oh, we can do this, we can do that, to you know, entice you to stay. Uh, by resigning now and handing it over to Riley, and that gives him full opportunity to look at all opportunities in front of him. And if yep. that means uh, becoming an assistant coach with his brother or something something like that for a year or two because he just wants to be around it, he could do that. Yeah. Uh, if the Notre Dame job came open and it intrigued him enough, he could what? do that. If the NFL job came open, he could pursue it. So I think, you know, and no one can hold it against him, kind of like Myers. Yep. Myers left Florida, you know, took that one year off. And the Ohio State job open, and he says, you know, this is the only job I would have came back to coaching for. Yep. So you never know what job that is. Uh, could it be the Cleveland Browns? Could it be the Pittsburgh Steelers? Could it be, you know, the Chicago Bull, you know, Bears? I don't know. You know, it could be Notre Dame. It, it's possible. But I, I just think he's making himself available for all opportunities, and that opportunity may come NFL more than come collegiate uh, in the next year or two. That uh, Notre Dame Ohio State two game series in a couple years might be really interesting now. If uh, Stoops and Meyer on the two sidelines, boy, yeah, woo-hoo. you never know. Boy, that you be, never uh, know. It's it's possible. Yeah, I did. You know, I just saw that yesterday, and I think he's going to South Bend. It may not be next year, but I, I, I 
a weird part of me thinks that Bob Stoops will be on the sideline in South Bend in a couple years. Well, let me put this scenario. I mean, we're just speculating. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's pure speculation, and, and this is just throwing this out at you. With the history, uh, and I'll say the same thing with Myers. If he ever has an, an inkling to go to the NFL, now he's going to do, yep. do it in the next year or two. Yep. I'm not sure he will, simply because of his health and his, his uh, you know, health scares that he, he's had in the past. And I wouldn't be shocked that if now he steps down from Ohio State and walks away from coaching altogether, simply because... You know, give him one more you championship. Don't want the stress level any longer? Hey, look, that's a high stressful job. I don't care who you are. You, you know, very few people can handle it for 15, 20, 30 year type scenarios in today's sports. And you know, they say seven to ten year lifespan in one's place because you don't mm-hmm. want to be there too long where you fall in love with the place and they fall out in love with you. Kind of what happened in Mata. And yep. I think that's you know a scenario that could happen at Ohio State down the line. I'm not expecting it to happen this year, but I think as every year passes and you you know the history of the coach, you look at Myers' history, you know what, I think he was years at uh, Florida. He was hired at Florida in 2005. So, so he spent- was there for... Uh, six or seven years, yeah. Yeah, yeah, six, seven years. So you're right in that window. You know, and you never know. Anything's possible. I'm not predicting that. I'm just speculating. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think Bob Stoops putting himself in the best position for himself in the future because he can make that decision to go in any direction he wants, and another collegiate job or pursue a professional job at the NFL level mm-hmm. as a head coach and, and really see what he can do at that level where as a type of players you're dealing with versus, you know, again, you get out of the business of 18 year olds and 19, 20 year olds and get in the business of adults who are 22 to, you know, 35 years old and playing, you know, professionally. It's a different world. But, uh, I think it's, it's interesting. I, you know, look, the Youngstown tree of coaches is huge. And, and very successful it, you know, from Bob Davey when he was at Notre Dame. And now I think we see out in, um, in Mexico, exactly. still, I believe, yeah. Right. And, you know, you look at you know the Stoop brothers. You look, Kentucky, look at the Bellini yeah. brothers. What, you know, Jim Trussell did during his, you know, heyday, both at Youngstown State and Ohio State. The Northeast Ohio coaching tree is strong, and it's going to continue to get strong in the future. I'm sure there's uh, coming up through the ranks that he may make that, that national uh, debut someday soon. And we'll just have to wait and see who they are and, yeah. and you know, how it goes. But everything comes in eras. You know, I yep. you got to give, you know, Bob Stoops credit. He he reestablished the Sooners program for what they wanted oh, yeah. it to be, a national program. Yes, he did. And uh, he may only won one championship, but you know what? Uh, he had 18 years of uh, really leading that program back to a top 10 program and where people love to talk about uh the Sooners mm-hmm. and what they bring to college football. So, on that level, I'm I'm happy for the guy. I, you know, we'll see what happens. He won everything he can there. He, hey, look, he, he can't win anymore. Exactly. You get to a certain level, you have to make a decision in life. And I think you, when you're at that age, you know, around 
30, you know, when you're at that age around 50 and you're a coach, either at the, at the collegiate level for basketball or football, and you want to look at the potential of going to the pros, available for mm-hmm. that opportunity. And I think he's doing that. And if he chooses to take another collegiate job, that's because that's where he wants to be. Yeah, it's uh, it's like Lujols at Notre Dame. How long can you, you know, just maintain a program? And I don't mean be mediocre, but he's won a national championship. He's been in two more. He's made the playoff. He's won more Big Twelve. T- he won more Big Twelve titles and had home losses. That's absurd. And it's not like Oklahoma was bringing in our sisters the poor each week. You know, they played Notre Dame and Ohio State. And Houston was national ranked. And, yeah. you know, so they're bringing in some highly ranked teams. I think they brought in Tennessee. Um, you know, so it's not like that he didn't play anybody there. So, you know, I, I mean, we just got to a point where I know his sons are getting of the age. You know, they're playing high school football, and they're starting to get some uh, recruiting offers. And, you know, that's a big time. We saw with Urban Meyer that he wanted to spend more time with family. Um, and I, you know, in a couple of years, if Meyer wins one more or two more at Ohio State, I mean, it's totally possible. They're loaded again this year, and they're, you know, top three in everybody's uh, pronunciations that really don't mean much right now. But, you know, he's already a grandfather to one. He'll probably a cut more in the future. And, you know, if he beats Michigan up, Four or five times, five times in a row, and he wins one more. Why not step away? But you know, well, yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. hey, look, that's exactly what I'm talking about. You know, these coaches. I mean, you can even look at Nick Saban. You know, for Alabama. You know, when he was at LSU, he left LSU for Miami Dolphins to mm-hmm. to pursue that NFL you know opportunity, and you know, and then because he knows you know you had, always be there for him. Exactly, and. Mm-hmm. Look, these coaches all want that opportunity to challenge themselves. And I wouldn't be surprised if he chooses to do that. You know, I think this is really, I mean, if you're looking forward, this is his opportunity to make himself available to the NFL without any baggage behind him. And Mm -hmm. that is really appealing, I think, to a owner who may want to pursue him, whoever that may be, whatever school whatever team that is in the NFL that's going to be looking for the next head coach because he will be, you know, you don't have to the university president or AD or or, or boosters all getting involved in your recruitment of that person. And I think available makes it a lot easier to leave one job for another. Mm-hmm. And when you have no job, it's really easy to make that decision. Yep. If you want to come back, ask Urban Meyer. It worked perfect for him. Yes, uh, yep. I don't know if he, you know, no one foreseen that Jim Trussell was going to leave Ohio State when Meyer stepped down, you know, from Florida. But it just worked out that way. Yeah. And you just don't know what road and what, you know, what forks in the road are going to come and which ones you're going to take. And, uh, you know, you're going to go left or right or whatever may happen. So I honestly do believe that this is a great opportunity for uh, Stoops to decide what he wants to do. Mm-hmm. If the NFL's there, he can grab it without any reprisal. Yep. And if it's a collision, he can jump back in and rebuild a program 
and you know spend the next 10 15 years there and then retire yep. in, into the sunset and you know what which is fine whatever the case may be but he's now available to make that choice on his own and that i think is appealing to a lot of people who are professional coaches at the collegiate ranks once they reach the age 45 to about 52 53 they want that one last chance to make their own decision what they want versus uh staying where they're at. Let's like Saban, when he went back to, into the collegians, I think he made the decision that that Alabama would be his final stop. Yep. way it's going to be. And, you know, we'll, we'll just wait and see. I think, like I said, he's at that perfect age where you're going to, you get that opportunity. Yeah. He's a lot make of that jump. Yep. And, and uh, well, you know, it can he happen. Really good at blue and gold visor though. Really good. <laughs> he really good that. underneath that golden dome. Really good. Hey, yeah, you never you know. know. You never, I, you never count I mean, your chickens Brian before the hatch, and you never know. You'll never know in the coaching carousel where someone may land. No, and that brings us back to Ohio State. We'll just wait and see. It could be a, like I said, it could be an NBA coach making that switch back to the collegiate level. It could be a name we've never heard. They of want that. control of the program. It could be a, you know, an interim scenario where they give it to Paulus. Or to Jen, wouldn't that be interesting? Because you and I talked about Paulus for the, the Ohio State job. Yeah. If he ended yeah. up staying for that that uh, interim tag for a year, him or Jen, it could happen. I'm not saying it will happen, but I think it could be. I, a- think, I think each day that passes, that thought process is going to get stronger. Yeah, I think it could be a name we haven't heard of yet. I know uh, Gene Smith supposedly had told some of the players, some of the upperclassmen, that he expects to have a coach by this weekend. So we'll see. I mean, he could yeah. already have his mind made up like he did on Urban Meyer. Um, I remember watching – I forget what game was. And uh, they removed Meyer off the telecast because it was so speculated that he was going to take the job. And they had right, to deflect right. anything. And, you know, so it, he could already have his guy right now and – you know, he's waiting until tomorrow or Monday or not. So we don't know. It's, uh, yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. I, I think Gene Smith has his work cut out for him, no matter what this happens. This is a big and hire who, for him, though. I think there's going to be scrutiny done uh, on this for years to come, no matter how well or how the next coach does at Ohio State and how this was handled. It's going to be dissected, and it's going to be really, I think, in the end, it's going to be the exclamation part on Gene Smith and his career at Ohio State because of how this came down, when the decision was made, and who was hired, and how they do. Yeah, it's uh, it. It could blemish. It could be a big blemish. It could be a huge exclamation point. Talking about how what a great move and great AD he has been, and success level. He has done a great job at Ohio State mm-hmm. ever since taking over. So we'll wait and see exactly where this leads uh, the Buckeye Nation in the in the basketball pursuit of a new head coach, Anthony. Another hour gone by. Yeah, it's uh, it goes by quick. It flies by. Yes, it does. It. You know what though? It was nice to uh, talk about some other stuff other than the Indians right now because it's been ugly. It's been uh, they've been terrible right now. But it you no, know, it's nice to talk about some things that are off the cuff a little bit and. Uh, you know, things that don't get the run every day. It's 
you know, right now the NBA, the NHL, the Indians, you know, so it's nice to talk about college basketball and college football and, you know. You know, I agree. Look, baseball is a marathon. Don't get up too high in June. Don't get too I'm low too in June. I'm too low right now. Be, 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 I'm uh, too low right now. But uh, be concerned in the sense that you don't want to lose sight of where you're at. Hey, I mean, the Indians aren't, you know, they're right where they need to be. I know the Twins are playing well, but, you know, bottom line is I don't expect the Twins to hold on. They may surprise me and be that Cinderella team this year in in the uh, Central. We'll wait and see. Talent level of the Indians in the long run will will win out. Uh, They're going to have to be more consistent. They're going to have to be more consistent, and they're going to have to challenge themselves and to find this identity that I've been talking about all year long. Because I'm not sure. I don't think they found it yet, but you know, they haven't we got that we spark all yet. summer to talk about that. Yeah, that spark's not there right now, and uh, God willing, it happens soon because uh, the past two weeks have been ugly. This is, uh, like you said, it's a uh, it's a marathon, not a sprint, uh, but it's been ugly and. Uh, very tough to watch the past couple of weeks, but you know, it's nice to talk about some things other than baseball right now. Yeah. Let's uh, try to uh, hook up. We'll have to uh, see what the schedule looks like after game four uh, Friday night for the Cavaliers. Uh, yep. The Penguins are just moments away from winning six, nothing in game five oh. to take a three, two <laughs> lead there as they hold the ice uh, each team. Winning on home ice, so back to Nashville, this series will go. When I went there last time with the uh, Penguins having the lead in the uh, Stanley Cup Finals. So it should be interesting. So much for Matt Murray's championship. The Penguins are hanging in there trying to win their (laughs) back-to-back, so we'll see what happens. All right, we're going to get more into that uh, maybe Friday or Saturday. We'll try to hook back up and uh, talk about the NBA Finals, see what happens in Game 4, talk more about the NHL and the Penguins' pursuit of back-to-back, Ohio State in its basketball search, Bob Stoops in his next coaching search. You know, hey, job. Northeast Ohio, you never, ever bored Northeast Ohio when it comes to sports. So much going on. And, uh, Anthony, my thanks for you here on Radio MVP as we bring our sports broadcast, or podcast, excuse me, number eight. Yeah, it's been a pleasure tonight. It's uh, always fun to uh, just talk for an hour, an hour and a half about sports and uh, really passionate about this area in sports. I think that's uh, shown through and getting excited. We're, we're slowly ticking away the days till we uh, shock the world at Pitt again. There you shock go. The we're getting there. Again. That's right. We're getting there. All right, yeah, Anthony, have a great night. All right. All right. We're going to talk to you soon.